Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning again. It is so good to have you today in the house at the Nam Pacific Center at One Life Church. We're just honored that you're with us. You guys excited to be at church today, everybody? Can I hear a good amen if you are? Hey, before we jump in today, I want to take a moment, look into the camera. I want to welcome our online church family. We love you. Everybody at the Civic Center, throw your hands together today. Welcome our online church family today. Yes. Love technology. In fact, we met a uh, young lady a couple weeks ago who said, hey, you know, I've been watching online and first time to visit. And just thank you so much for talking to us on the online church family, making us feel apart. And I want you to know you absolutely are our family and you are a part. And we are using technology to, to meet you, to come into your homes, wherever you are. And whenever you have the opportunity to come, to visit, to hang out, we love that. Um, but no rush on that. We're just so thankful for technology. You are our family. We're here for you. We love you. And I'm just so grateful that you you are along for the ride today. Hey, we are a message note-taking church, everybody. You know what that means. It means we love to take notes here at One Life. Where are all my note-takers at? Can I hear a good amen from the note-takers in the room? All right. It wasn't a huge shout because some of you are still like, I don't know about this note-taking thing. Uh, can I encourage you to text OLC notes to 94,000? Text OLC notes to 94,000. It is our desire to inspire you, to encourage you on a Sunday, but we also want to put God's hand, uh, word in your hands Monday through Saturday. And uh, I'll tell you what, we are a practical church. We're delivering the truth of God's word, but we also want to see you be able to live this thing out, okay? And so that's what we're trying to do here with the notes. And that just gives us the opportunity. What's cool about the notes is that you can save it as a PDF. Uh, you can email it to a friend. You can fill in the blank along the way. It's amazing how when Monday hits the fan, come on, because you know Monday's coming, right? <laughs> All of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, what did pastor speak on? Oh yeah, I've got my notes. I can turn to that. And it's amazing how God can use something so simple to encourage you, to inspire you, and to remind you that he's right there with you no matter what you face. And so that's the goal. That's the reason we do it. So I want to encourage you to go for that. We are in part two of this series called All In, and you're in for a treat today, my friends, because today we have some special guests in the house. Uh, we have Pastor Jason and Ellie Hubbard from River Valley Church, like three states over in Boise, everybody, with us today. <laughs> So anybody that's a Treasure Valleyan, you know, like you've lived here, like in Nampa, you realize like how far Boise is from where we are at the Civic Center, right? No, I kid, but uh, Pastor Jason and his wife Ellie have become really dear friends of my wife and I over the past several months, and it's just been a joy getting to know them, and I'm going to let, you know, Pastor Jason tell a little bit of his story, uh, but they're here in the valley, so like they love this valley, they love you, and they're so excited to be here. He's got a word from God today that I really honestly believe has the power to change your life no matter what season you're in. He's going to share a little bit about his testimony and God's faithfulness, and I can't wait for you to hear from him this morning, but we are an honoring church, and you know, we always like to just show support and love, especially for the Capital C Church, everybody. You know what the Capital C Church is? It means all the other local churches in this valley. And so we're in brotherhood together. We're sisterhood together. And so we do life together. And so uh, I just think it's so cool that we can have another pastor here in the valley today just minister to us. You guys ready for that? So will you do me a favor? Will you welcome Pastor Jason Hubbard, everybody, to the platform? Let them know how much you love them. Throw your hands together. Well, good morning. good morning. Oh, you do better than that. Good morning. good morning. Oh, it is so awesome to be here with you. Bring greetings from River Valley Church, like you said, way over in the distant area of Boise. Uh, we had to fill up with gas twice to get here today. That's a joke. It's not that far away. <clears throat> we also live in Meridian, so it really wasn't that far. It was, it was, it was super close. Uh, it is such an honor to be here with you today and to be speaking and sharing God's word with you. Uh, we love your pastors and have been uh, just, it's been a joy to get to know them and uh, build relationship with them. And just to get to spend a few minutes with you this morning imparting the word that God has really, I feel, really put on my heart for you to encourage you and take this next step of this series all in. Um, I, I want to introduce my, my family to you. My wife, Ellie, is sitting right here. Go ahead and stand. There we go. 
my wife, Ellie, and, uh, and this is the rest of our crew. My daughter, uh, Penny, is nine, Simone is seven, and Dustin is five. And if you ever want to get into Dustin's heart, just mention Challengers, Mustangs, and John Deere tractors. <laughs> And he will, he will love it. Actually, it's, it's really cool. A couple of Christmases ago, we, uh, we got him one of those little riding battery-powered John Deere tractors that had the bucket in the front. And, uh, and it was, he loved it and had the bucket. And he would just drive that thing like crazy. And, uh, and so just this last year, he developed this game. He, he developed this game where we have these poker chips. I don't know why we have poker chips. <laughs> they are chips used for a game. Uh, and we have, we have them and what he likes to do is line us all up with these different colored chips and then he will drive his tractor around with a bucket and we all have to throw the chips into the bucket to see and whoever gets the most in wins and uh, it is a lot of fun so if you ever drive through our neighborhood you'll see this kid on a tractor going in circles and his family throwing things at him and it's just it's what we do it's, it's just how we roll uh, but we those are our three kids they are joy to us uh, I am originally in, in Oregon native. I'm an Oregonian uh, in Portland, grew up there and married. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Uh, And I married an Idaho and Nampa native. I know. So I'm married into it. So that counts, right? That counts. Okay. All right. Uh, We met at Bible College in Portland. We were there. Um, The uh, motto or the slogan of the Bible College we went to is ring by spring or your money back. Uh, We went to Portland Bible College, but everyone knew it as Portland Bridal College. Um, Just kidding. Neither one of us went there to actually do that, but God had other plans, and we met, and we've been married for almost 14 years now, which is so awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. It's been so cool. And love and life, we love the Treasure Valley. We love being here three and a half, almost four years ago. God called us back to the Treasure Valley, or to the Treasure Valley for me, back to the Treasure Valley. And, uh, and we've been planted here and just loving God, uh, getting to be part of River Valley Church over on the bench. And, uh, and it's an awesome place to live. How many of you would actually agree that Boise is a pretty cool place and Idaho and Nampa is a pretty cool place to live? Yeah, I think it's a pretty cool place to live. It's a, it's a really neat place to live. Okay, so that's a little bit about us. I'm going to tell a little bit more of my testimony here in just a little bit that'll tie in with, uh, with everything that we're going to, uh, to talk about today. Um, give you another a couple tidbits, though, that'll help you uh, as we go through. Uh, when I was younger, I was part of Scouts. I was a Boy Scout. And I actually got my Eagle Scout. And so uh, did that whole thing. Yes, thank you. One clap. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> feeling the stage is pretty far away. Um, No, I'm just kidding. So did that, and I was also homeschooled from kindergarten to 12th grade. So now you have the whole picture of me. I'm a homeschooled Boy Scout. You can make every assumption about me, and you'll probably be right. (laughs) Homeschooled Boy Scout, homeschooled Boy Scout. Okay, all right, but just go with me. Uh, Did a lot of hiking when I was in Scouts. Uh, we did a lot of hiking, and some were day hikes, some were overnight hikes. They were just, they were awesome. And, uh, and, and some of these would be on trails, and some of them would be off trails. They have this term for hiking off trails. It's called bushwhacking, which is a very fancy term for lost. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't care what they tell you, it's lost. And the reason I tell you this is this, because they use this thing called orienteering. Anybody familiar with orienteering? Okay, orienteering is where they give you a map and a compass, and you have to navigate through the woods with those things. They give an 11, 12, or 13-year-old a map and a compass and tell them to find where they're going. You're lost. I mean, you're just... You just are. And so we did all kinds of hiking, and it was, it was awesome, and, and learned a bunch of stuff. And something that I was thinking about in this, this idea of hiking that kind of applies to the series that we're in is this idea of being all in. When you go on a hike, you, you kind of have to be all in if you want to get the, to the destination that you're hiking to, right? Like usually if you're hiking, there's this beautiful waterfall or there's this overlook of the, of the, the land or there's this ridge or there's something that you're hiking towards, that you're working towards. And if you're not in, if you're not all in, if you're not committed to the journey, 
you won't make it to the destination. And I learned about this in Scouts, how important it was to keep going. But something else I learned in Scouts is this, is that, yes, the destination is very important, but the journey is equally as important. Because there are things along the way that you will miss if all you're looking at is where you're going. You'll miss what happens in the nuance of the moment. There are some of the most incredible conversations that we had as we were on these hikes and going for multiple days at a time with a a backpack that weighed as much as I did. And you're trying just to stay straight, you know. We had these great conversations. I will say that we never saw any wildlife because we were a bunch of young teenage boys that were talking the whole time and scared the animals away with our smell. But we did really enjoy being together and being hiking, being, uh, being able to hike together. So hiking is kind of this cool metaphor that I want to I use a little bit to tie in with where we're going to go and what I want to talk to you about for a couple minutes today. Um, in hiking, the destination is amazing, the journey is amazing, but in hiking there's this element that I really don't like, and there's switchbacks. How many of you are familiar with switchbacks? Okay, switchbacks, just to give you a little bit of context, are when you are hiking on a trail in the direction of your destination, minding your own business, and suddenly out of the blue, without asking your permission, the trail decides to do an about face and go the other direction. And you're sitting there going, well, wait a second, I want to go that way, and now now I'm going... Th- that way, yeah. right? There are these things that are, that are switchbacks that, that can kind of mess you up if you're not ready for them. I have a, a personal traumatic experience with switchbacks because when I was 10 years old, thereabouts, my family decided to go on vacation to Utah. Um, yeah, right. It's, it's a cool place, um, which we discovered when we were there that the reason you go to Utah is to look at Red Rock. You know, we would start the day, where are we going today? Oh, we're going to go to this particular park. Oh, cool, what's cool about it? There are rock formations made out of red rock. Oh, wow, where are we we going today? We're going to Arches. What is Arches? Arches is an arch of of naturally made red red rock. And and so this is what we did for day after day. And one of these times, we went to Bryce Canyon. Anybody ever been to Bryce Canyon? Okay, Bryce Canyon is beautiful, is gorgeous. I mean, it's one of these wonders that you look at it and go, how can anybody believe that there's not a God? I mean, you just look and there's like, it's phenomenal, right? Well, on the particular day that we got there, it was about 107, and, uh, which was our first sign that we should have stopped. Uh, but we got there and we decided, we had this bright idea to hike down into Bryce Canyon, 107 degrees. And so to get down there, you take this switchback trail. This is the trail to get down into the canyon. And when we got down into the canyon, we realized that my younger brother and younger sister and I just couldn't take it. It was too hot. It was, it was all messed up. And so we were like, okay, we just got to go back out. Well, my dad and my grandpa decided that they were also going to go out, but to take a different trail that was a little bit longer and had some different scenic elements and everything leaving my brother, sister, and myself with my mom, and we were going to hike straight out. And in my completely perfect memory as a child, it was a cliff. I mean, it was like, we got to go up there? And we had to go on these switchbacks to get out. And so literally what we would do is we would walk one little length and hide in this little outcropping of shade and like pant and catch our breath and then make it all the way up to another one and then wait and ah. And we finally got up to the top. One of the ingredients I left out is that dad and grandpa had all the water. And uh, there are moments in life when you realize your parents that they have these these moments of communication that you look back on and they're like, yeah, that was some fun heated koinonia. They had some, some wonderful heated koinonia at the top of the canyon once they got back up. You took the water, you know, it was, it was great. So I have a traumatic experiences with switchbacks, but here's what I recognize. As crazy as switchbacks are, if you encounter one in the woods and if you're hiking and all this kind of stuff, switchbacks are actually very essential to get you to where you're going. 
Because if you weren't going to have switchbacks, you'd literally have to climb a mountain straight up, and it probably would be a little bit impossible. Switchbacks are actually these things that are vital to our journey of life. And here's the beautiful thing about switchbacks. Put this picture up. From an aerial perspective, you can see where the switchbacks are taking you. When you're in the moment of the switchback, it can be a little disorienting. It can be a little weird. It can be a little bit like, what, what is going on? Well, I don't understand. Why am I now going the opposite direction? The trail did not ask my permission. But if you back up from an aerial perspective, you realize that even though there are these switchbacks, these unexpected moments, they take you to your destination. Now, here's the spiritual application for us because everything has a spiritual application to it. Our life is a journey. And in this journey, it's not a straight shot, but it is a path that has switchbacks in it. Switchbacks can be good, and switchbacks can be hard. Sometimes you encounter a switchback and you're like, oh, this is the best thing ever because, man, that was getting steep. Other times, there can be a challenge to understand what is going on. But they're vitally important to our journey. And here's the thing to remember is even though we can't always see the point of the switchback, we have a God who views it from this perspective. He sees the destination. He sees where your life is headed. He has a plan for every part of your life. When your life encounters some crazy stuff that you can't explain, it doesn't surprise him. Your switchback doesn't catch him off guard. You trying to navigate a dead-end situation, the loss of a loved one, a sickness and a disease that you can't figure out, the loss of a job, having to move, the upsetness in our world, just trying to figure out war and disease and famine and and all of this stuff and, and COVID, that which we do not speak of. <laughs> trying to navigate all that can be really disorienting if we forget that this is how God views our life. And he has it. Psalm 139 says this, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Okay, this is really reassuring. This is really reassuring for us. Doesn't matter what happens, he's lined out our life. Proverbs 3 Five and six, this is a pretty famous passage. It says this, just simply trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and what? He will show you which path to take. He will show you which path to take. Even if life is disorienting, even if things happen that don't make sense, we can rest in the fact that we serve a God who loves us, who cares for us. And this is the cool thing. Not only does he see the whole picture, Isaiah 41 actually gives us this imagery. He's got us by the hand. And he's helping us through. He doesn't just see the situation you're facing in life. He doesn't just look and be like, wow, that is really, really tough. No, he's got you by the hand. It's this picture of going through crazy stuff. If you have kids, you realize, you know, if you ever go someplace that's just like crazy and all kinds of people and, 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 and everything and you start going through and, and what do you do? You start walking through that crowd and you grab your kid's hand just a little bit tighter. You hold on to him just a little bit closer. God does the same thing with us because we're his kids. So no matter what happens in life, we have a God that knows he's planned and he's with us. And this is the truth that we can rely on. He's with us no matter what. For the remainder of our time today, I want to jump in and and walk through a story in the Bible of somebody who's probably my favorite, one of my favorite guys in the Bible. You can't say favorite because if it's anybody other than Jesus, you just get, it's just real weird. But he's one of my favorites in the Bible. And I'm going to look at a guy named Joseph. 
Joseph was an incredible dude who exemplified this life of walking through switchbacks. In fact, if you look at the narrative of his life, it was built on the fact that most of what happened to him, he had no idea and no bearing on whatsoever. Yet, God knew where he was taking Joseph. And he knew what Joseph needed to stand up and to be the leader that he was in the land of Egypt. And so because of that, he led him through the switchbacks that would develop his character, develop his trust, develop his faith and his dependence on God to prepare him for the moment where he stood to lead a nation in a very traumatic time. And this is what it exemplifies for us as we start to talk through the story of Joseph. Joseph's story begins in Genesis 37. If you have your Bible, you can open to it or you can take notes and uh, we're just going to read some chunks of scripture. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit of stuff too, just so we can get through it in time because the clock didn't stop when I started talking. Um, It's usually supposed to do that. I don't know what's going on. It goes away, you know. The preacher's best friend in the world is when the clock breaks when you stand up to preach, right? And then, and then everyone goes, oh, the clock's not working. Oh, we have lunch. All right, here we go. Joseph. Joseph is one of 12 brothers of Jacob. Jacob, we know, was uh, orig- uh, eventually called Israel. The 12 sons were, would eventually become the 12 tribes of Israel. We see here the very beginning of the Israelites, the Hebrew nation, eventually the Jewish nation that would be down the road, right? So we see this beginning form of these 12. Joseph is one of these 12 brothers. And one of the things that's different about him is that Joseph and his brother Benjamin were from a different wife than the other brothers, and they were favored of the father. And between Benjamin and Joseph, Joseph was the favorite. Now, we know if you're a parent, you're not supposed to have favorites, right? Like that never goes good, right? But he was the favorite. And I would imagine Joseph in in his young years probably lived in that a little bit. You know, if ever you've got a 17-year-old and you're like, I'm the favorite, you know, kind of rub it in the nose of, of the other ones. But, uh, but Joseph was favored. And this, this is a beautiful scripture right here in verse 3. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. And this is, as we go on this journey of Joseph... I want us to start at this most important part. We cannot get past this fact. That just as Joseph was, we also are loved and cherished by the Father. Joseph's life of switchbacks and his journey and his trials and everything he was going to go through all started from the central place, from the foundational place that he was loved and cherished by the Father. Should Jacob have had favorites? Probably not. But he was loved and cherished. And I want to speak this over you today. If you hear nothing else of what I say for these next few minutes, I want you to hear that you are loved and you are cherished by the Father. The Father that sent his Son to die on the cross for your sins. The Father that span space and time in order to have a relationship with you. The father that stopped at nothing to show his kids that he loved them and that he was providing a way for them to be in relationship with him and in eternal life with him. The father that so cherishes his kids that it breaks his heart when we go through things of pain. It breaks his heart when his kids walk through this. But he knows that he's stronger and he can walk through those moments with you. And he can carry you. And he wants to carry you. And he wants to love you. And he wants to pour out all of his affirmation upon you. One of the things that I've been on a journey of recently, um, I've, I've known Christ pretty much my whole life. Accepted him when I was three years old. When I was going to take a poop during dinner. It's a true story. You can ask my parents. We were having dinner, dismissed myself, went away, came back. I asked Jesus into my heart. This is the best poop ever. Okay. I'm done. 
You know, just now you know everything about me. Homeschooled Boy Scout accepted Jesus pooping on the toilet. Okay, cool. This guy's weird. I am. It's true. One of the things, though, that I've recently, God's been really speaking to me is about this love that he has for his people and his love that he has for me. In Mark 1, there's a, there's a passage of scripture where Jesus comes out of the water and he's just coming out from being baptized. And we hear the words from heaven that said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. And I've always read that as like, well, yeah, that's God speaking to Jesus. So of course. But you ever read and you're like, man, what if, what if God was to actually come and say that to me? I got news for you. He does. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Meaning, when we give our life to Christ, we are joined. And here's the cool part. That means that when the Father speaks affirmation and love over the Son, we can receive that as well, if we are in Christ. So then, I read Mark 1. You are my dearly loved Son, or daughter, and you bring me great joy. Close your eyes for just a second. Not for dramatic effect, but just so you can focus. And then hear this, the word of the Lord of you today. You are my dearly loved son or daughter, and you bring me great joy. This is the word of the Lord over you today. Okay, open your eyes. What a cool place to start from. That we're cherished, we're loved. God has us and he cares for us. So Joseph begins on this journey, jumping back over to Genesis 37. Paraphrasing a little bit, what happens is the brothers have to take the sheep and they, they go and, and they have to find a place to feed the sheep. And so after a while, Jacob comes to Joseph and he says, Joseph, I want you to go find your brothers and I want you to see how they're doing and I want you to bring a report to me of them. And Joseph says, all right, I'm ready. All right, dad. And so he goes out and he starts bushwhacking. No, no callback. Okay. He starts walking through and literally being lost because he doesn't know where they are. So he's hiking through the trails, he's hiking through the fields, he's hiking through the woods, all this kind of stuff. And he finally finds them. And so he comes to them. Now, Joseph is thinking, oh, I'm going to see my brothers. It's just going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. This is going to be so good. And when his brothers saw him in chapter 37 in verse 19, they said, here comes the dreamer. Side note, Joseph had had a couple of dreams that God had given him that were for way later down the road that he had shared and was rejected because of them. When God puts a dream in your heart, there are times when you will be rejected by the people around you. Do not lose heart. If God has planted a dream in your heart, he will bring it to fruition. You don't have to worry about what people say. You don't have to worry about the naysayers. You don't have to worry about people that try to tear your dream down. Hang on to it. Now, maybe something to learn from Joseph is not to flaunt it, but... Hang on to it because God is going to bring it to fruition. He was 17 years old. I mean, imagine that, you know, like he's not perfect. All right. Here comes that dreamer. They said, come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. And we could tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. And then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But Reuben heard their scheme. He came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into the empty cistern in the wilderness and he'll die there. Reuben was planning on coming back to rescue Joseph. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. They grabbed him and threw him in to the cistern. Switchback. Joseph had something very different planned for that day. But a switchback happened. And now he's sitting at the bottom of a dried up well trying to figure out what happened. What, what is going on? So what happens? They sit down and they start eating and in the distance they see a caravan of slave traders coming and, and so they said, well, why, why are we going to kill him? What do we have to gain from killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead, let's sell him. After all, he is our brother. What a, what a caring individual. Our own flesh and blood, and his brothers agreed. So they sold him to the Ishmaelites, the Midianite traders, 
And the Jos- they pulled him out of the cistern and sold him for 20 pieces of silver. And they traded him and took him to Egypt. Switchback. Okay? Within the course of a few hours, two switchbacks that are happening in Joseph's life that are disorienting to try to figure out what is going on. What's, what's happening here? The pit represents this. It's things that happen in our life that are out of control. That we, that we don't understand. Things that we didn't ask for. Things that didn't line up with the plan that we had for our life, but yet they happened. You know that old uh, preschool nursery book? Can't go around it. Can't go under it. Gotta go through it. Right? It's kind of the same scenario. We have to go through it. Some of these things can be a death of a loved one, the loss of a job, a debilitating disease, having to move unexpected bills. Some of these things seem out of control. Speaking of having to move, I wanted to look and say good morning to Michaela, because I know Michaela from PBC, and her parents said that she's watching online. So good morning, Michaela. I'm going to see you here, but unexpected moves. That's you. Here's the principle. Here's the principle. When things seem out of control, God is still in control. And you can take that to the bank. And you can count on that. No matter what happens in your life that makes things seem like they are out of control, they are not. God is still in control. And God had a plan for Joseph's life, and God has a plan for your life. How many would, would, would just say, you know what? Yeah, I've gone through a, a few switchbacks lately. Maybe you're in the middle of one right now. Maybe you're getting ready for one and you don't know about it. <laughs> the fact is, we all have switchbacks that happen in life. Again, both good and bad. Unexpected things that take place in life that we have to learn how to respond to. So what happens? Joseph gets sold to Potiphar. I'm going to skip over to chapter 39 where we see Joseph in the house of Potiphar and pull a couple of principles out here. Verse 1, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Now, verse 2 is the key to this whole thing. Verse 2 says this, the Lord was with Joseph. It doesn't say that Joseph was there by himself. The Lord was with Joseph. And then I'll even one-up it from there, the next part of this verse. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Whatever situation you find yourself in this morning, whatever part of life you find yourself in, whatever switchback you're facing, or even in the middle between switchbacks, wherever you find yourself, know that the Lord is with you. And he will cause everything you do to succeed. Now, here's how you can take this. Individually for yourself. Whatever you're going through right now, I'm going to speak the word of the Lord over you that he is in your life. That the Lord is with you and he is going to cause you to succeed. He goes before and behind. And he is going to bless whatever endeavors you're in. He's going to bless you. Why? If you faithfully follow him, if you faithfully serve, if you surrender your life, he is going to make your life succeed. You're in a business situation where you need the hand of the Lord to move on your life. He is going to cause it to succeed. You're in a relational dynamic, whether it's with family or friends or coworkers or whatever it is, and you need God to show up, he's going to cause it to succeed. If you're in the middle of needing provision and you're needing finance and you're looking at the end of your rope and you don't know what's going to happen and a job loss took place or something like that, he is with you and he is going to cause you to succeed. The Lord is on your side. But not only that, when the Lord looks at one life, the Lord is with you. And just like with Joseph, He is going to cause you to succeed. To succeed where God has called you and planted you in the valley. To succeed in reaching people for Christ. To succeed to be a a life-giving, water-refreshing, spirit-pouring-out church. That when you encounter people, the spirit of God is going to flow through you and cause what you do to succeed. Your church 
One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho is going to succeed. And through you, many are going to come to know Christ. Many are going to have their lives radically changed. Why? Because God is with you and he will cause you to succeed. Come on. You can believe that. So here's the deal. In this situation here, it says, and I got to go because my time is running out. Again, you didn't fix the clock. It's still going. (sighs) Here we go. Potiphar noticed this. What did he notice? That the Lord was with Joseph. He realized it, and he realized that God gave him success in everything he did. Okay, I I want you to ask a question of yourself. Do people recognize something different in you and recognize Christ's work in you. Because according to this, when the Lord is with you, there is a noticeable difference to your life. There is a tangible difference with how you live, how you approach scenarios and situations, how you take on the challenges that come your way. You take it on like someone who has the Lord with you. You take it on as someone who has authority in the spirit because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You take on these things a little bit different. Bring it on. Bring it on. I don't think Joseph was saying bring it on. I think he was more like, I want to go home, Dad. (laughs) But we can say, bring it on, because God is with us. Do people see a difference? Now, this pleased Potiphar, so he made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. Ready? Switch back. A really cool switchback. God now placed Joseph in a place that he was going to begin to shape him and use him to begin to position him for something down the road. Something I don't think that Joseph would have known at the time that he was in the house of Potiphar was this. He was a Hebrew that was now needing to learn how Egyptian culture worked so that he could be ready for the leadership that God had called him into. He was unaware of that when he was in the house of Potiphar, but God used it and said, no, 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 no. I'm placing you there because you need to know the culture. You need to know how these people work. You need to know the gods that they say that they serve and they love. You need to know this because I'm going to put you in a position of authority. And when you're in that position of authority, you have to be grounded enough to say, no, 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 listen, listen, listen. This looks bleak, but my God. That was something that God used Potiphar's house to be able to enable him and get him ready for. So this is, this is what happened. And then it says this in verse five. From the day Joseph was put in charge of the master's household and property, listen to this, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his affairs ran smoothly and his crops and his livestock flourished. Here's a biblical principle. That those around you as you serve the Lord will be blessed because of you. Your family will be blessed as you serve the Lord. Your business will be blessed as you serve the Lord. There is a spiritual principle that as you follow the Lord and as you live for him, that God is going to cause, it's like like this bubble. It's like this bubble of people around you that are going to start receiving blessing, even those that maybe are far from Christ. And they're going to start receiving this blessing and they're going to be like, what is going on? And you'll say, oh, it's it's just the bubble of blessing, the blessing bubble. Don't say that. That's just weird. But in your heart... You can say, it's the blessing bubble. Or don't say that. Now that I say that out loud, that's kind of weird. But anyway, what you can do is know that those around you are going to be blessed. There's a spiritual principle here, and it's this. You see this in family dynamics. When the parents follow the Lord, there is a blessing that falls on the house. The kids are blessed. The grandkids are blessed. The cousins, the aunts and the uncles, they're blessed. Why? Because there is something powerful about a household that is under the care and the following of God. So there's a blessing. Is your life, are the people around you blessed because of your life? It's a great question to ask. What's the, what's the principle with this? We can represent Christ in every situation. We represent him no matter what. Well, this next portion of scripture, I'm gonna go fast through this. This next portion of scripture, I want you just to remember, I'm not going to belabor this, but I do want to go here because there's a very important principle, and I want you just to have context for this next part of scripture. Those of you who know the story know where I'm going. Joseph was 17 years old 
around about. 17, young man, serving in the house of his master. And to set this whole thing up, it says that Joseph was very handsome and a well-built young man. I think about this every time I look in the mirror every morning. I don't, but I do have it on a sticky. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't, I really don't. (laughs) Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. And so she said, come to sleep. She demanded, demanded, not asked, not try to coerce, but demanded. But what did Joseph do? Refused. 17 year old man, refused. You skip down to verse 16. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused. You mean it's possible to actually stand up for conviction when the enemy is like right there trying to get a hold of me? Yes, absolutely. Now, what made this different? What made Joseph able to do this? A couple of things. One, he lived to honor God no matter what. His heritage, his upbringing, his dad, everything told him and screamed in his head, honor God no matter what. And do not, do not bend. And this drove his life. Here's the principle of this whole section, all this craziness that takes place with this woman, is that faithfulness in the little areas will lead to faithfulness in the big areas. You gotta believe that Joseph as a 17 year old man was not just, this is not the first time that he encountered any of this kind of stuff. He had made small decisions based off of his conviction and living to honor God no matter what, that when it led to this moment, it was not even a thing because he had a whole life that was built to honor God. And so for us, I think the challenge for us is to really look at our lives. And I know we all come to Christ at different seasons and different moments, and we have all kinds of history in here. But I think for the thing for us to really remember is this. No matter what kind of life we've lived, today we have decisions of faithfulness. Small decisions of faithfulness. Tomorrow you'll have equally as many. You get on social media and you have a choice for faithfulness. Every moment, everywhere you look, you will have a choice to be faithful to the Lord. And those little choices compound over time to lead to these big moments. So now in a situation like this, where there's some lady like full on coming on to Joseph and saying, hey, let's do this. He can look and be like, no, why? It wasn't like (laughs) paper bag, paper bag. (sighs) No, 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 I won't do that. No, because that jeopardizes everything that I know is true. That's the principle for us to get out of this. You guys good? Okay, moving on. A couple more switchbacks and then I'm gonna end here. After all this craziness happened, he was thrown in prison. You mean to tell me that Joseph was honoring God, standing up for absolute truth, and he was wrongfully accused and still thrown into jail, even after doing all that? That's just messed up. But here's the principle for us, is that the outcome should not affect our resolve. No matter what happens in life, no matter how we're mistreated, misunderstood, misrepresented, it does not matter because it should not affect the resolve that we live with. And this is what Joseph lived with, which was pretty powerful. Now, um, so he's in prison, seems like a dead end. Seems like there's nowhere that he's gonna be able to go. He's reached the end of his line, switch back, the end. But dead ends are only steps with God. Remember that whenever you face a dead end, that they are only a step for God to move. You think you're facing a dead end right now? God goes, no, 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 I can step over that piece of cake. You lost your job, you don't have finances? I got that taken care of. You don't know how you are going to remain in relationship with the people around you after severing and after things like that. God goes, no, it's a step, watch me work. See, Joseph thought it was done. He thought he was in jail. He's like, eh, it's over, it's over. What happened though? I'm paraphrasing because I gotta go fast. Two years later, of thinking that he's living in a dead end, God calls on him. 
That's a long switchback. That's a long time to sit there in the dungeon of a prison and go, what? Like, really, God? Like, what in the world? But God never stopped seeing Joseph. In fact, it says here, in chapter 39, in verse 21, when he's in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him his faithful love. Doesn't matter if it looks like a dead end. We serve a God that that doesn't even exist in his vocabulary. Dead end doesn't exist. He doesn't see dead ends. It's just not even in his reality. He's a miracle working God. He's a God with all power. He's a God who can supersede anything that we come up against in life. Like nothing phases him. I get really excited about that. Because I look at my life and I go, how, 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 how are we going to do that? How, how are you going to do that one, God? He's just like, like I've done all every other time. But, but God, this is a big one. This is a big one. Just don't know. I mean, I have faith, but no, I got this. Were you there when I parted the Red Sea? Ooh. Were you there when I fed the manna every day in quail? Uh, no. Were you there when I called Lazarus out of the tomb after he'd been dead for three days and you rose? Were you, were you there? No, no, no. Okay, so your situation I've got handled. Your situation he has handled. Two years later, God now positioned him in a place of leadership. I'm skipping around a little bit on the notes, but I want to get to the end to conclude here. After two years... He was placed in this place of leadership. He was called up by supernatural hand of God moving in his life and was placed in a position to lead Egypt and to save Egypt from the famine that was going to come. Here's something just to speak over you for your life is that your next season will require more from you than your previous season. I just want you to think about this. The next thing God has for you will require more faith, more trust, more closeness with him than ever before. God never works by sending you backwards and saying, okay, I just want you to step back a little bit so that you can just chill out for a second. No, you're going to the next season. It's going to require more. It's going to require you to step into a new level of faith, a new level of dependence on God. Here's the principle for your notes. Your next season will be determined by how you respond to your current season. Joseph was ready to step into leadership because he responded right in every season. Now, does that mean that we, if we have not responded right in every season, are discounted? No. No, it doesn't. Because we serve a God that's full of grace. And we are forgiven. And we are cleansed by the blood of Christ, who today says, I can redeem you. Today says I can move through you. Today says I have a plan and a purpose for your life. He has not left you or abandoned you, but he wants to build into you to be ready for the next season ahead. I don't know what's next for you guys in your life. God does. Remember, he sees the whole thing from beginning to end. And, uh, and he's with you. He's for you. You ever want to get encouraged? Just that song, that the blessing, just blast that on your car radio because it's true. This is what God wants to do in your life. So here's where we conclude. You don't get to control what happens in life. We don't get to control the switchbacks, but we can control how we respond to them. This is the whole message of Joseph. We respond to what happens And our responses to any situation will determine our success in life. God does crazy things or allows crazy things to happen. But he's always with us. 30 seconds, 2018 was found out in May of 2018 that uh, I had a brain tumor that uh, had actually been growing since I was a kid. 
went in because I had dizziness and headaches that had just continued to get worse and worse to the point where I'd take ibuprofen and it would barely take the edge off. We went in one day for vertigo, and while we were there, uh, my wife actually was my champion. She was like, hey, he's had headaches. Do you think you could do like a CT scan or something? And, and uh, you know, they were like, well, we're not going to find anything. <laughs> they did, and they, and they did. Found a, uh, a brain tumor that I had to end up having brain surgery in May of 2018 to have removed. Non-cancerous. God was with us through that. This is, this is a picture of the tumor. It was massive. It was actually cutting off circulation or in, in the, the brain stem. Um, not something I expected. Not something I asked for. <laughs> I didn't wake up going, you know, today needs a brain tumor. But I walked through it. God was with me. Whatever you're walking through, God's with you. Maybe this morning you're in a place where you are walking through some crazy stuff. But what made Joseph successful is a relationship that he had with a father who loved him. And I want you to know today, if you're in this place and and you've never had that opportunity to begin this incredible relationship with a father who loves you, you can do that today. It's super simple. The father stands there with open arms and hands to take you by the hand and to lead you into everlasting life. And all we have to do is pray a prayer to believe in Jesus, that he is our savior who died on the cross for our sins. And that when we believe in him, we will be saved and are ushered into an incredible relationship with our father. This morning, if you're in this place, and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I want to give you the opportunity to do that today, to begin that relationship with a father who literally is like, come on, come on, I got you. I love you. doesn't matter what you've done. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And if you're here and you're wanting to ask Jesus into your heart to give your life to him, I just want you to pray this prayer after me this morning. We can all, we'll all pray this together because this is a great prayer for all of us to pray. But this is your first time. Pray this with a conviction in your heart of something that's going to happen today. Jesus, I come to you and I give you my life. I thank you for the sacrifice of your son on the cross. And today, I receive that forgiveness And I ask you to be the Lord of my life. And I give you my life. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your hand that leads me. I love you today. Amen. Come on. Can we put our hands together for those that prayed that prayer, either in the room or online for the first time today?